gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the internet. Here in the basement of the Great Hall of Justice are the most powerful forces for good podcasting ever assembled. This is the DC Superpowers Podcast. This looks like a job for Superman. To the Batmobile. My name is John Jones. I am the Green Arrow. Hey, super friends, welcome back to another issue of DC Superpowers Podcast. This is issue 10 for June 4th of 2016. I'm your host, Ken Rose. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, Vernon V. Yellow. How you doing, Vern? Pretty good. How's everybody doing out there, Geeksters? So, did you ever get off of guard duty? Or are you still working guard duty for the hall right now? I'm done guard duty. They kicked me out of that. I'm in the bathrooms now. Oh, see, now that's why I lost my job in the bathrooms. I'm back to sweeping <laughs> floors, luckily. I get I got promoted to sweeping floors, and I guess you got my old job. Yeah, I know. See, Adam Smasher, that's a big guy. That, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, cleaning up after him can't be fun. I remember. Yeah, it's... It's a it's a task of its own that you don't want to bring up ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Super Friends, this week, there was a little light week on news, but we got, um, coming up later in the show, we're going to tell you all about the um, four, co- four Rebirth comics that came out this week. We had the actual first of the Rebirth number ones came out this week. We also have, um, we finally got our copies of Hanna-Barbera um, Beyond's Future Quest number one. And Scooby-Doo Apocalypse number one. So we're going to have our reviews of those. We also have a little bit of TV news because they've, they had a little bit of TV line had a um, report on Arrow. We got a new vigilante coming and a new villain. So we'll find out a little bit more about those. Then in cinematic news, we learn a little bit. Um, there's not a much, but there's a little bit about the killing joke. Um, we have a new director for Flash finally. And then they released the informa- all the information about the Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition DVDs and Blu-rays. So that's all coming up soon here on the DC Superpowers podcast. Um, but Vernon, you said you just got some new figures. Yes, I did. Um, so these are older figures, but they're very rare. And um, they're pretty expensive. I actually found them at a comic store and on eBay, which was pretty surprising. Um, I picked up the uh, DC, uh, I think it's DC universe arkham uh, asylum joker first series and then i also picked up the arkham city harley quinn um her red and black and the good thing about these figures they both have chains on them okay um joker has his uh wallet and pocket uh pocket chain on his left side and harley quinn has hers on her right side which i think is really cool because they're a couple they're literally chained at the hip Oh, that's awesome! So, describe these figures a little bit, because um, anybody who hasn't seen these, I know they're the um, the Arkham City um, universe versions, but describe them to the listeners so that they can hear them, see it. Um, Joker's a little bit more creepier than what we were used to see him. He's a little bit more um, rugged, and he's got some patches on his uniform, and he's got his flower that you can tell has shot acid out of it. Um, it's basically like the original Joker, just a little bit more grittier, a little bit darker. Um, the paint on them is very nice. The smile is a little off, but I can always fix that with a touch of red paint for his lips. But everything else about the figure is dead on from the um, video game. Okay. And Harley Quinn's has even more detail. They have her her belts move, um, removable. Her, she's got her tattoos on her. 
the paints fading for her um was it's her highlights in her hair she has a black pigtail and a red pigtail it also comes with her bat and both figures are um articulate movable for a 90 degree angle except for joker jokers you can only lift um up and down but harley quinn's have a swivel in it sad thing about is their there's arms no or? yeah her arms move okay. um her joints move at her legs um at her kneecaps but her uh, ankle movement is limited. Those stay straight since she has on like these high heel boots. Ah, okay. But uh, head rotates. Um, hip doesn't rotate for either figure. Uh, I think more so like the Batman toys will have that. The Joker and Harley Quinn are more so just the villains, so they don't have too much uh, maneuverability in them. Harley still has more in Joker, which okay. makes a lot more sense. Well, everybody who's been paying attention to our social media knows that you're active on Instagram, and you ha- you cover our Instagram for DC Superpowers. You're going to have to take a picture of these and put them up on the um, DC Superpowers Instagram so everybody can I'm gonna see them. I'm going to have to get a lot of good lighting and background. I did post uh, her inbox on mine. Uh, I'm trying to figure out like a good place in my house so I can actually get a good picture of them. Ah, okay. Well, after the show, I can tell you a little bit about that. A little, some. There's a couple of I good tricks you can do. Take those notes. So, but um, let's go ahead and get into the TV news. Um, okay. TV Line actually got a report this week about um, Arrow Season 5. And um, they described that we have a couple of new characters. Obviously, every year you have a couple new characters. And um, they had the a new, there's a new vigilante coming to Arrow. And they've not actually said who the name is, but they have a pretty good description of it. They said he's, now this, comicbook.com has the story. It was, um... Whether the new character is a friend or foe to Team Arrow remains to be seen still. The TV line reports describes the character as being cocksure, reckless, ex-Marine turned vigilante. So maybe he's a, um, a foil to Diggle, maybe? Being an ex-Marine and he's in Diggle's he army? Be. But um, it says, however, even with a new crime fighter on the loose, Oliver may st- will still be focused on his new position as mayor. Showrunner Wendy Merkel... Uh, Merkel says the City Hall, that institution, is crucial to our series. She also says that the show's flashbacks will remain just as vital to the new season. Quote, it's very good. It's a very good possibility that we'll finally find out how he got that Bratva tattoo and how he learned to speak Russian. When Oliver mm-hmm. says, no one can know my secret, and he kills the, that guy in the pilot, we're going to get some insight into that. So this is going to go all the way back oh. to the season one pilot. Okay, and I was gonna—I was wondering about that character for um, Arrow. Do you think they might do the same thing they did with uh, Gotham's first season when um, Alfred brought back his old friend from his military service? It's possible, um, and obviously, no one said anything about who this actually is, or it may be a character from the comics, maybe someone brand new. Someone new, yeah, yeah. Because remember, season one of Arrow, a lot of the characters were brand new. People like Diggle and Felicity; Diggle. these were mm-hmm. characters that well, had never Felic- been in comics. Well, Felicity was in the comics, but they changed her character up. Oh yeah, completely. well, she wasn't an Arrow character. No, that's what I mean. Pulled... Like her character was in the book, but not the same. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, they pulled her out of Firestorm, which was really weird because I don't think at the time they even were considering making a Flash TV show or at that even put him in the show. Yeah, well, Firestorm, remember, started on Arrow, did he? No, no, it was. He started um, on okay. He started on Flash. Flash. So. Um, but as soon as they said, as soon as they started Flash, they already knew that they were putting Firestorm in there. Oh, okay. So, um, but also the same report from TV line, um, on a different article here on, um, comicbook.com says, according to TV line, Stephen Amell, we already know from Stephen Amell that 
Um, they've said season five will be much more grounded one than the last few years have been. Quote, I think that ultimately we are always going to be at our best when we do what we do best, which is we're the superpower less super superhero show, right? That's what he told to comicbook.com. Um, since then, he's followed up the statements with about the big bad of season five having no superpowers, a shift from the super strong and fast Deathstroke, the near immortal race, and the magic power Damian Dark. So this is going to be a regular like a regular guy with no powers. Now, according to the report by TV Line, we may have a name and a full character description for the season five big bad. They report he's tentatively named Anton Church, which is a, which is not doesn't exist in DC Comics anywhere. So they, everybody's expecting that maybe actually a placeholder name, so they don't give away mm-hmm. who it actually is. Yeah. Um, now the character is said to be quote an apex predator that cuts his way through the through the shadows and aims at the biggest fi- threat first. Um, with Oliver Queen as the mayor of Star City and the Green Arrow as as its very public protector, that seems like he'd be first in line. Now, they also report he's loosely inspired by the drug kingpin Stringer Bell on The Wire um, that was played by Idris Elba. Now, whether that means he'll actually be involved in the drug trade, which we've dealt with before with Vertigo, or just be more a general crime boss, uh, no one knows. Either way, fans will probably be happy to see the old-fashioned human foe for next year. So, do you know... You said you've not seen much of The Wire, but you've seen a lot more than I have. What do you remember about that character? Do you remember anything about him? Just him being gritty and devious. <laughs> That's okay. about it. That's the only description I can really give for him. So Okay. Well, it sounds like we're going to get a totally different season. This may be actually closer to what we had for the first season of Arrow. Because you remember, the first yeah. season of Arrow, there was no superpowers, per se, on the show at all. Yeah, Malcolm yeah, which- Merlin was the villain. Um, there was nobody... I mean, even the characters that they brought in from the comic books, you had Huntress, who has no powers, and some of the other one, stuff that they brought in, even the villains really didn't have any powers. They were highly mm-hmm. trained, but they didn't have any superpowers. So, See, yeah, and that's what I was saying last show. I was saying I think I really think they can put powers in there for certain characters, but um, they might not be comfortable with doing it. So if they're comfortable with having like powerless heroes, then go with that, because season one did really good. Yeah. Well, that's, like I said, that was the... That's what even Stephen Amell said that um, they're better as a powerless show. Yeah. So that's um, that's actually all we really have in the way of TV news this week because of being the summer break, guys. Uh, Super Friends, there's not going to be a whole lot of um, TV news. But we'll give you what we get as it trickles out. Um, we got a little bit of cinematic news here. Um, do you, uh, you've read through the? They put out um, Warner Brothers put out a press release for the Killing Joke, and you want to just hit some of the highlights of what they had in there. Um, yeah, basically, just uh, letting everybody know that it was going to be in San Diego Comic Con. They were going to um, have a showing for it, and also is released on the fifth of August. Um, that was majority it from that article. They everything else was just letting you know what the producers worked on previously, uh, the voice actors, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So. Well, does it say when Comic Con is? I don't even remember. I know it's towards the end of June. July twenty second. Oh, July twenty. Wow, isn't it usually in June? Yeah. Uh, I thought so. Okay, July. Well, that makes it better anyway because I'll be um, home for that. I'm towards the end of June. I'll be actually down at Origins, but um, in Columbus. But um, and then you said when does it actually premiere? The the DVD is available or the Blu-ray? The Blu-ray is available August fifth. See, that's one I'm definitely going to pick up the day it's available. I may actually pre-order that on Amazon. Yeah, the thing I was going to say was um, 
I, I don't know about the whole Batman vs Superman buying that off rip because <laughs> the price. Yeah, but, uh, I, I think I'm that price. That price. We're gonna get to that in just a minute. Actually, we can probably get to that next if you want. Um, they actually this week, Super Friends, the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition um, DVD and Blu-ray information came out. Now this is the the Ultimate Edition is the R-rated extended cut of the movie. And it's actually 30 minutes extra. If you thought Dawn of Justice was a long movie, well, this one now is going to clock in at 182 minutes. Now, who need whoever thought you'd want a three-hour superhero movie? As a, I, I suggested this and also some other websites and videos on YouTube were saying they should have split this movie up into two movies. Yeah. Well, it's the same problem we've talked about before from Warner Brothers that they try to put too much into their movies. Uh, we were talking about mm-hmm. this on Geek Watch One, also. Warner Brothers is the, and a lot of it seems like Marvel Studios is the only ones that's figured this out so far that you can do one story, make a movie out of it, then wait and make another and movie. On. Because Sony, who's had the Spider-Man franchise um, for years, uh, Fox, who has X-Men and Fantastic Four. And Warner Brothers, who has the entire DC universe, all seems like they're try- they always try to put too much too into much. the movies. They mm-hmm. impatient. They can't put say, "Hey, here's this story, then here's this story, then there's this story." No, no, no. We need all the stories all at one time. Yeah, like X Men Three, and it seemed like they were going in a line of threes here. They tried to end it with a bang, and they put too much into a Spider Man Three. Too many different storylines. X Men mm-hmm. Three. Too many story- different storylines. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse started to do that, too. Have you seen Apocalypse? I haven't seen it yet. Well, the whole... Um, the only thing I'm going to say on that, because uh, since you haven't seen it, is the whole Wolverine part of it isn't even needed. It's a to- it's like a total side story for the whole for the overall picture. I heard about that. I mean, it's an awesome pe- part of the movie, and it's yeah. great to see him, but it wasn't needed. <laughs> yeah, it, but, it's my, it's my, we're not bashing on this, but I got something to say about that uh, X-Men, what they did with that. Well, you got to watch the movie, then we can talk about it. Well, I just meant in from their past. Uh, just, oh, okay. I don't know. Certain things they do with the X-Men movies, they focus on too much and not enough on the one story. Like uh, the Wolverine thing. That, I think the reason they did that because that was their cash cow. They had yeah. to put him in there. They felt like they had to. Yeah, no matter what, you put Wolverine in it, they make money. But yeah. back to DC Comics. <laughs> but <laughs> Batman v Superman now, it's av- going to be available in a whole ton of different um, versions. Um Let's see here. It's actually they have an ultra high def Blu-ray 4K version of this coming out um, in one of these. Now it's going to come out on digital HD and ultra high def HD or um, Blu-rays on July 19th. The digital the digital download is actually available on June 28th. Then home release features an extended cut that runs 100 with an R rating on the extended cut, gaining um, that rating for increased sequences of violence uh what exactly that entails is unknown but even a bit of pooled blood can change the rating from pg-13 to r yeah a lot of movies if you look at the pg-13 really heavy action movies there's not a lot of blood or it's not red yeah it's weird how they do that like if the blood is black or some other color other than red dark dark burgundy they can get away with it if it's red it gets an r rating it is weird the way they do that now, also, Jenna Malone's character, which is a surprise, no one knows what the character was, was actually cut out of the theatrical movie, but it's back into this. So there's, I think they said there's two actual scenes that were cut from the movie originally that are back in this, but the um, the rest of it is just heavy action that was added, 
lots more fighting, probably a lot more blood, stuff like that. Now, yeah, Matt, go ahead. It's not going to, I was going to say, it's not really, I don't think, going to add on to the movie story wise, but it's definitely going to add on to their action, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because I don't think there's too many, I know they released the um, Lex Luthor scene, what was that, Stefan? From the delete scene, that was a big part of the story. They could have kept in the movie, in my opinion, but it seemed like some of the other stuff from the details of the uh, articles is just going to be more action sequence. Well, it says here that the Batman v Superman's various flavors include an Ultra HD Blu-ray combo pack, which is the 4K version, at $45, and then uh, um, the regular Blu-ray 3D combo pack, which is $45 also. The regular Blu-ray combo pack is $36, the two-disc DVD special edition is twenty-nine dollars. Then the ultimate and the ultimate edition of it, which is the super long cut, can be found on the ultra high def Blu-ray disc, the two um, D disc it, that's part of the three D combo pack, and one of the two two um, D discs with the regular Blu-ray combo pack. The DVD edition only comes with the standard definition original theatrical cut. So um, then combo packs, all the combo packs include a digital copy of the ultimate edition as well. So, okay. I like, see, I've slowly been switching over to digital, especially now that a lot of the digital copies have um, the special features with them also. It's nice to yeah. have. Um, I, I mean, I still love the, I still buy the physical discs, and I usually buy the 3D physical discs because we have a 3D TV. But it's a lot easier to have it on digital so that anywhere you go, you can just pop it in and hit, um, play. Yeah. You can watch it on my phone. I can watch it on my computer. I can watch it just about anywhere. And it seemed like Warner Brothers, for like every uh, DVD or Blu-ray they put out, seemed like they have that special feature added. Okay. Yeah. Well, all of them are. It's uh, anymore. Studios are um, kind of not smart if they don't put a f- digital copy on with what when you're buying a disc, because mm-hmm. everybody wants that digital copy. So now, also, it says um, they released the trailer with us for the. Um, new cut of the film. It says the trailer plays up the sense of gods more and features a lot more, a lot of brand new footage, which may play into another character cut from the theatrical release. One of the new gods of apocalypse who is likely to show up in justice league. So I'm not sure who they're talking about there. That's going to be interesting to see on the ultimate edition to see if they actually add one of the new gods. Well, it was supposed to be, I thought, st- wait, no, I was a new God. Yeah. Stefan wasn't a new God. He was on apocalypse. Well, hmm. I think I well, he fits in with, um, he fits in with the new gods. I would call, Ste- okay. see, my personally, I would call granny goodness, decide Steppenwolf. All those ones would be considered new gods to me too, because they're in the new gods st- pantheon, you know? Yeah. I mean, the main ones most people know of is what, um, high father, which you never really talk. No one ever talks about much. I've not seen much in the comics unless you read new gods, isn't it? But um, Metron always is messing up, messing with stuff. Um, oh, what was not Calabac? What's the other? Darkseid had two sons, didn't he? Yeah, um, there's Calabac, and who's the one that um, always is riding that flying contraption? Um, oh, I want to say it's not Odin. Um, Orion. Orion, yeah. Orion is considered one of the new gods. Um, is Barda a new god? No, she was leader of the Heart Furies or something, isn't she? Yeah, I, but. I think she was a new god. She See, might not have been. Well, if Mr. Miracle wasn't, then I don't think she was. Yeah. Well, Mr. Miracle's a human, so. Okay. He was from Earth. I did not know that. Yeah, if as, I remember uh, right, Mr. Miracle's from Earth. As he Earth. was, I figured he had some type of power. Well, no, he's that. basically a modern-day Houdini. Yeah, but. he has. Oh, if I remember right, he gosh, has no superpowers. He's just, he's a master well, of escape. He, he was raised with them, though, correct? Probably. I don't remember the whole story. I don't know the whole new gods. I know. 
thing. I thought Granny Goodness trained him as a child too, along with the Furies. So I figured it's he possible. was uh, right. I figured he was with them. So, and some of this actually, I was reading through. They have the special features listed. They don't say what they are, but it says, of course, aside from the extended cut, the home release will also include several special features. Now, some of these are going to be interesting. One's called um, "Uniting the World's Finest." That's obviously a um, document. Most of these are going to be documentaries, but "Uniting mm-hmm. the World's Finest" is going to be basically how did they write the script? Probably that's what that sounds like. One's "Gods and Men Meeting the a Meeting of the Giants." That's probably like a, um, the different characters and who they are. I'm assuming uh, the warrior, the myth, and the wonder. Then accelerating design the new Batmobile. That'll be a documentary on um, how they designed the Batmobile. Superman, Complexity and Truth, Batman, Austerity and Rage, Wonder Woman, Grace and Power, Batcave, Legacy of the Lair, that's going to be a good one. Uh, Hopefully talking about the history of the Batcave through comics and uh, movies and everything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Might and the Power of a Punch, The Empire of Luthor, maybe they'll get into some of the history of Luthor and the changes through the years, and then Save the Bats. So... Like I said, none of them are actually show a description of them, but that I may end up popping when I get the discs. Pop that in first and look, read, watch through the special features on it. Yeah, I usually I do that with Man of Steel. So, so um, actually, Man of Steel. One thing's cool. I said I have the 3D TV. I think Man of Steel has some of the best 3D for uh, any disc I've ever gotten. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that at work. It's cool because. Most of the 3D, a lot of it um, is almost like the back of the TV falls away and you look into the TV to see uh, see what's going on. Man of Steel, a lot of the like special features, menus, and stuff are actually floating in front of the screen. So it's really cool. But that's the Man of Steel disc that comes out. Like I said, um, you can get them for digital download on June 28th, which is only a couple weeks away. And then on digital HD, um, on discs, all the discs come out on July 19th. That's that. Uh, we have one more bit of the cinematic news. You want to cover that one real quick? This one's because you're the one that figured out how to say his name. <clears throat> okay, this is going to be a... Probably still going to butcher it. <laughs> um, So, DC has been uh, hiring a lot more new directors for their... Do we call this phase one or do we even call it that or just... I don't DC? even... I wouldn't even call it phases. It's just for their first set of films. Okay. Um, Rick... Famiwa, um, he has directed, go down his list, The Wood in 1999, Brown Shirt 2002, Talk to Me in 2007, Our Family Wedding 2010, and his recent one was Dope that was out in 2015. Um, he has another one called Confirmation, and that would be a HBO original movie, so I guess they're not really going to count that uh, directly in his repertoire, but The Flash is the next big thing that he's going to direct. And um, the director, his movies throughout all were more so drama comedies, romance comedies. Yeah, they were more which, like um, what, romantic comedies is what you would call it. Actually, okay. from what it looks like, it looks similar to like a Tyler Perry, but not as much on the comedy, more on the drama. That. Yeah, it is a little bit more serious. So. Um, so for him to be a Flash director, I thought it was pretty shocking. But the way his style of movies go there, it has a serious tone to it, but you can also laugh throughout the movie. So I think that's what they wanted from um, from the direction for The Flash. And uh, if you ever see Dope, Dope is probably the more so serious film that he's done that hit more than just being more of a comedy. It was a little bit more darker. And if DC does want a little bit of a dark tone but yet still have a happy side to it, he should be the perfect director for that. Okay. Well, I'm hoping this is one of the first 
decisions that Jeff Johns has actually gotten mm-hmm. involved in. Because bringing in someone who actually knows comedy and actually can has a little bit of comedic timing would be nice. Right. And, yeah, put some diversity in. Because, like I said, I'm not, I'm not unhappy with DC's dark tone. I'm ha- unhappy that that's really all they were focusing on. Yeah. Some of their characters are lighter. Yeah, Flash is one that you needed to be a lighter character. Mm-hmm. So, so. Uh, Rick Famiwa, we'll be waiting. Oh, yeah. So that's the cinematic. Now we get into some of the meat of what we got for today. First off... We both got our copies of the Hanna-Barbera um, Beyond comics. Now, this yes. week coming up, uh, yeah, I almost called, them all, called all of you geeksters. But, um, I did it earlier, but you know what? We're all family. <laughs> I know. We're all part of the Geek Watch 1 family, and I hope you guys are geeksters too. But Super Friends, they, we both got our copies of Future Quest, and you have Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. I still got to read that from you. So, okay. But – well. Uh, you want to talk about Scooby Doo first, or actually, Future Quest came out first. Yeah, I was gonna say go ahead, Future Quest first. I will cover Scooby Doo after. Mm-hmm. Now these are um, these are not part of the two ninety nine. All of their superhero comics from DC Comics are two ninety nine now. I was looking across, even the what series that have been out are now coming out at two ninety nine. So like Red Hood and Outlaws, I believe mm-hmm. so. Oh wow! So I mean, we can bring it up and look here in a, once we get to it. But um, but Future Quest. Now we've been calling that this was going to be an anthology. And I thought, I thought since the beginning that um, it was going to have all of the action heroes from Hanna Barbera, which it does or will. But I was thinking it would be m- multiple stories in the same issue, similar to what mm. they do with Legends what, of Tomorrow. Legends Tomorrow, right? But no, this is actually it's a crossover comic where it's a Johnny Quest comic. Yes, thus that's where the Future Quest title comes. But it's all the other Hanna Barbera heroes, action heroes actually falling through portals into the regular the the johnny quest real world this comic opens up um a distant world years before and you have um some characters fighting in a war but they're all dressed like jason um who was it jason jan and um what was the monkey's name i am trying to remember that monkey's name and i but they're dressed like the kids on space ghost right the kids were like junior space cadets or something like that but the Soldiers on here, or the um, people fighting in this battle, are all dressed like them. They've got power gauntlets like what Space Ghost and the kids had. They're fighting this giant battle. And later on, you find out that um, this is actually, I believe, the way I'm reading it, this is the origin of Space Ghost. This is actually Space Ghost before he puts on the hood and the white robes and everything. Because you can see him, the guy that's talking, because he... um, the general in the battle dies, and so he puts on the guy on the general's bracers, which has the shield. Because Space Ghost had the, the his shield, gauntlets were communications shield and a blaster, right? Yep. So that's what this has. It was the general's gauntlets. So everybody's about to die in this giant explosion. They're going to sacrifice themselves to save this planet and win the war, because once this explosion happens, no one's going to survive it. But the um, lady beside who, the character who is Space Ghost says, hey, wait, you got the general's gauntlets. It actually has a force shield. She reaches over and turns on the force shield right as the explosion goes off, saving him. Mm-hmm. So from there, you pop into Johnny Quest and Haji flying through the Everglades on jetpacks, look, and they're out investigating, looking for um, these portals that keep opening up on Earth. Now, Dr. Quest has been studying these for years, I guess. 
So Race is out there flying a helicopter with Bandit in the helicopter. Johnny and Haji are flying around. And I guess the most common place where these open is in the Everglades. So they're out trying to find out where they're going to open. And Dr. Quest has figured out that this day, the day that they're looking now is going to be the most of them opening than they've ever had. They've never had this many opening as what he's expecting today. So while they're out, they're, um, two people show up at their research facility to uh, talk to Dr. Quest. And it's actually, um, let me see if I can find their names because it's not who I thought it was. It's Ray Randall and Diva Sumati. Now, the Ray Randall, I didn't realize is actually the name is Birdman. <gasps> oh, wow. Okay. So, hmm. okay. yeah, it's not who you, it, and um, you said you know a little more about Birdman than I do because the only reference I had to Birdman, I knew he was a character, a classic character, but I've never seen Birdman in uh, cartoons other than seeing commercials for Harvey Birdman, attorney at law for Adult Swim. Yeah, that was a complete comedy take on it. I mean, even the old cartoons, some people say you could laugh at it, but honestly, compared to, say, the uh, Super Friends, there's a lot more serious tone to Birdman than well, it was that. Yeah, the classic Hanna-Barbera action cartoons were like that. Johnny Quest was like that. Space Ghost was like mm-hmm. that, where they were a serious take on an action cartoon. Yeah, and he had his um, pet falcon. I yeah. forget his uh, his name, but that um, was basically... Avenger. Thank you. He was basically like Bat Hound to Batman. Yeah. But, um, so they've come to talk to Dr. Quest because Dr. Quest needs to talk to what's the organization here? It's called. They represent basically the version of, um, Interpol for this air for this. It's called Internation. They're not Interpol. This is the, I believe that it sounds like it's their version, this world's version of the United Nations. It's just called Internation. So they're talking to him about these portals that have been opening up that um, Dr. Quest has been investigating. So they're talking back and forth. They find out. Do you remember Dr. Zinn from the Johnny Quest cartoons? He was the big villain. He was was basically the big, he was the big bad in general. Yeah. He was in charge of his own organization. That's called uh, where'd it go? I'm flipping through the comic as we're going here. Same here. But um, I'll find it here in a minute. But Dr. Zinn is also, he's another rival scientist, basically, who's also investigating these portals. But he's investigating them to take what he can from it and turn that into, like, weapons and such. So, where Dr. Quest is trying to further scientific discovery. So, but Johnny, um, but Johnny and Haji are attacked by Dr. Zinn's drones and crash land in the swamp as some a couple portals start taking off, start happening. Um, they look up in the sky and see all kinds of portals. And you see in the portals, um, you can see a silhouette of Mitor. You can see Space Ghost's um, shuttle. You can see um, the dragon from the Herculoids. These are all in the portal or looking through the portals and vortices. Yeah, I was surprised to see was that Suzanne. I was very surprised to see him. See who? Suzanne. Who's that? Uh, he was the genie. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he was supposed to be... That's the one over all the way over on the right, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but they're looking through the portals. While this is happening, um, Dr. Quest, all of his instruments are going off and saying, oh, wait, what's going on? Race has already told him that we've been shot down. So, out... Um, so, Dr. Quest and the lady take off for the hover 
their hovercraft, and uh, then Birdman goes t- or Birdman takes off on his own, and then from there, the den- then the next scene you get to see that um, Haji and Johnny are hiding in the swamps as these spider drones are searching for them all over the place. You get to an- to another scene. It looks like um, the I forget what the name of the Herculoids beasts were. But it's the one that looked kind of like an armored triceratops almost that shot rocks out of its horn. You remember that one? Yeah. He's, I can't remember the name, but yeah, he's in there He appears in the swamp, and it looks like he's been knocked out. So it looks like the creatures from the Herculoids, like you can see in the background of one of the shots, you see one of the blobs. There's Bloop and Bleep or something like that was their names. Yeah, I he's wish He's in the I background of one of these. So it looks like one of, the, one of the portals is opened, and the Herculoids creatures have come through. You see another portal that actually has Space Ghost and the kids and Shazam and um, Herculoids and a couple other characters all in the same all in the same portal or vortex, as they're calling it. So you're seeing all this. Jo- Johnny and Haji are running around, and then this kid rolls up has, who saw this stuff in a swamp boat. Because remember, they're in the Everglades. And it, mm. uh, as they're running away from the spider monster, he runs up to Swamp Boat and tells them, hurry up, get in, so we can uh, outrun him. So you outrun him, you find out this kid is actually from, uh, where did it say? He's from the north or something like that. Oh, no, he's from Maryland. And he just happens to be gradu- or, um, visiting his grandparents or something for the summer, so he's been learning how to play with their Swamp Boat. But he's the same age as Johnny and Haji. Then you flip the next page, and you get another portal has opened up right in front of them, and it says, I will stop, I will not stop you, I will destroy you. And it's Space Ghost just came up out of the um, por- Nowhere, vortex really. <laughs> and is aiming his blaster at them. And that's the end of Future Quest number one. Yeah. So it looks like it's going to be a really good story. I've, I'm going to definitely get number two at least and see how far they keep going with this. I was surprised it was such um, compact stories. And I thought it was, like we said, going to be different stories and then next book set up for something different. No, they're all in there. Yeah, I like. I think I like this one because I always liked, even when I was a um, kid watching the original Space Ghost in the Galaxy Trio or something, what it was called with the kids and Herculoids and all those from the different shows. I loved it when they and they actually the three that the one they don't have in here. Do you remember the one with it was like the um, Chopper Kids or something? It was like three teenagers on um, space motorcycles. Do you remember those? Oh man! They were in the same. Um, they were, that sounds it was part familiar, of the same cartoon. Yeah, it was like. part of the same cartoon that had Space Ghost and Herculoids and all those. Oh man! But um, they're not I, in I this remember at all. Someone flying on those things, but I don't even remember what they look like. Yeah, but I always used to love it when Space Ghost would actually cross over with the Herculoids, or the three of them were on Space Ghost, or the three of them would be on with the Herculoids. Those were always hmm. awesome, just seeing crossovers. So this here is gonna is like the ultimate crossover for Hanna Barbera. Yeah, you know what? I guess right. That's how most of the Hanna Barbera cartoons were. Yeah, they were all part of the same universe. Like all the space ones were part of the same universe, and a lot of the Earth ones eventually, did, like with Scooby Doo, crossover with just about everything. Yeah, yeah, Scooby Doo really did. They even back in the eighties, they even crossed did a crossover with the Flintstones and the Jetsons. They did a time travel thing. Oh yeah, that's right. So. It was about. That it was, was sometime other, within the same time they were getting. They did, did the um, Jetsons movie. That was the other thing I was gonna say. Um, after this whole uh, Flintstones book come out, I wonder if we'll get Jetsons because I really think the Jetsons would be pretty cool. It's possible. Depends yeah. on if the how the sales for this goes. And so far, the sales Future Quest. Speaking we, of which, we had to. Yeah, you had to get them online for us because everybody was sold out everywhere. 
Yeah, and I went for the to, first um, for J- first runs. Went to JC Comics and spoke to a store owner, and he was saying how they can't seem to keep none of these books, which is good. But no one told him that they would even sell out like that, so they could ever order more like extra. They just put them out, and people just takes them right off the shelves the first day. Yeah, so. the, well, over at Kenmore Comics, um, John, I I went to look for your Scooby Doo Apocalypse, and he said he had ordered five times the amount of Scooby as he does for most Scooby Doo comics, and still sold out before four o'clock on the day that it was released. See, that's the funny thing. When I went to JC Comic Books, they had a ton of the Scooby Doo's, but no Rebirths. But you went to uh, Kenmore Comics and found a lot of Rebirths, but no Scooby Doo. Yeah, so oh, different side of town. <laughs> We'll get into that a little more about different side of town here in a little bit too, with when it comes to rebirth. But um, why don't you let us know about Scooby Doo Apocalypse? <clears throat> okay, so um, if there's any Scooby Doo fans out there, this is completely different. Um, I was looking up some reviews for this before it came out the day previously, so I would know what I'm in for without hearing any spoilers. Um, some people did not like this book because it was so different, and some people, honestly, majority of people love this book because. It is so different. We've seen Scooby-Doo done over over 20 times. So to see something completely different is pretty good. So um, the book starts out, this is called Scooby-Doo Apocalypse for a reason. Once I get to the end, you guys will understand. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm not going to tell everything, but I'm going to give you a little bit more detail than most reviews. We've been, so, yeah, we've been spoiling everything anyway. True. I don't want to ruin it all, but I might do that. Okay, so um, they're in Paris. And this says one year ago. So we don't, this all starts a year before, I guess, the end of this, or at some point we're going to get to where we were previously. Um, it's this um, scientist named Vilma Dinkley, and she's thinking about should she save the world or just let the world go to pot? And then later on, the issues below her, there's like a festival going on, and you see, Vel- uh, not Vilma, um, Daphne Blake and Freddie in the crowd, and they got this concept from the Scooby-Doo Zombies movie, if anybody remembers that. Uh, when the gang broke up, Velma and... I keep saying Velma. Uh, Daphne and Freddie went out to become news reporters. So Daphne had her own news uh, station. She became a reporter, and Freddie was backing her, backing her up any way possible. Same thing's happening right here. She's a news reporter, and she decided to leave the station to become kind of like an April O'Neil. And Freddie's her camera guy doing whatever she wants, although he does not agree with what they're doing out in the field. He thinks they should be in the studio safer. Um, and also in the crowd, you see another panel. There's Shaggy and Scooby. Now, in this version, Shaggy is a dog trainer for the military. Okay. And and Scooby-Doo is actually an experiment dog. Um, he still sounds, he does the whole rut row and pronounce everything with his R's because he was the first test subject for them to make an uh, intelligent dog. Uh, Scooby failed. That's why he still has his the R's. He's not speaking fluid sentences like a normal person. But Shaggy basically loves this dog, took him in as his own, and thinks Scooby's the smartest uh, being in the planet. <laughs> and um, he has this emoji glasses where they can't understand fully what he's saying, but from his emoji glasses, it'll project something. So say maybe he's hungry and he says, I'm hungry or whatever, and he can't really understand them. So a pizza emoji will pop up or a hamburger emoji will pop up. Or Scooby Snacks. Um, there's, or a Scooby Snack will pop up, a dog bone probably. Um, then you keep going on and Velma goes back underground. It's like a, I want to call it like a Resident Evil type umbrella um, fortress uh, or solitude going on down there basically the scientists underground are experimenting on everything the majority of the population has no idea what's going on and um they see uh shaggy rogers out with the dog again uh the one they call scooby-doo and they're saying we should probably fire him get somebody new because he's too 
Goofy, he loves the animal too much, and she says he's just a good-hearted soul, which Shaggy is. And now Velma's uh, going to actually um, go against everything she was planned on doing with her job. She's going to actually save the world. Um, so she met, she meets up with uh, Freddie and uh, Daphne to give them information since they're the news reporters. And there's something very funny, uh, Sh- not Shaggy, uh, Freddie did here. If anybody's seen the uh, pup named Scooby Doo cartoon, there was these uh, like uh, Bigfoot uh, incidents, but they were called the Mole People, and Freddie was the only one that really believed in them. Uh, so he throws this uh, his camera at Velma and says, "Oh, it's a mole person." And then Daphne's like, "We were cu- we uh, went over that. They're not real." He said, "But they sound scary. They could be real." <laughs> <laughs> um. So then we go back to uh, Scooby and Shaggy, and they have some uh, what is this gluten free pizza, glutton free pizza, um, ah. as they would call it, <laughs> because they said just terrible. They went all the way out, left the facility, and they came to get some food, a pizza they cannot find because this is in the future, I guess. Or the apocalyptic era, so certain things like a say a Swenson's or a Burger King are rare now. Okay. Um. So they went to go get pizza, and the pizza's not what they thought. And there's an emoji of poop that pops up for Scooby, letting him know what he thinks of that pizza. <laughs> and then he uh, hears Velma, or he notices Velma and can sense that she's in danger when Freddy hit her with that camera. So now he's rushing toward them. Shaggy follows her, and now we see all five of them actually meet up. Um, they call off Shag or call off Scooby. Um, Shaggy sounds like he's trying to hit on uh, Daphne and also has a crush on Velma too. Shaggy's a little different. Um, they go back underground. They have Velma or they have Daphne and uh, Freddie put on their lab coat so they could blend in. And then she starts telling them, "Pull out their camera. I'm gonna tell you everything that you want to know." And this is probably gonna get Daphne back on her um, TV spot because now she used to be a very famous reporter, but now she's one of those reporters that get put on at the 5 a.m. TV slot on oh, okay. uh, basic cable. So um, as it goes on, they're all in there talking, and it turns out Velma was helping these sci- these four scientists. We don't know who they are yet. Um, work on this um, virus that they're going to send out to the world. So she's revealing all their secrets, saying they are basically had good intentions, but now it turns out they're just going to try to take over the whole world and spread the virus out. And Daphne's very upset at her. She said there was no good intentions behind this. All you knew was this is going to be a bad deed. And uh, Freddie says, well, hey, look on the bright side. No one will ever know that we recorded this because they'll all be uh, infected, but at least we got the uh, secret out, right, Daph? She punches him in the nose because, like, shut up. <laughs> um, so and she's then, not the damsel in distress in this one. No, she is not the damsel. Daphne's completely different. Daphne's punching. She's basically she's the leader to me. It feels like more than Freddie, which okay. is really weird to me. I don't know how I like. That's the one gripe I have about this. It's kind of weird, but maybe Freddie will develop into a leader a little bit more, and Daphne will understand him because she doesn't agree with the way he wants to do things but he believes in her so he'll do anything she wants um it kind of reminds me of the Vern and april neal thing from the teenage mutant ninja turtles okay but then alarm goes off everything goes black and um velma asks them to forgive her for what she's done and then next page we see the this is the last page too a lot of the um civilians are now turning to like werewolves a gila monster a mummy a werewolf so they're basically turning into the monsters that they uh, will go against in the TV show, but instead of being uh, humans in masks and costumes, these are actually real monsters. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have zombies in there as well. So the best way I can put it, this is Scooby-Doo meets Resident Evil. Awesome. 
but I it's a really good read. It's completely different. It is apocalyptic era, so this is going to be very interesting. It's a different take on it. And from the pictures we released before on uh, our Instagram, there was a picture of uh, the uh, mystery machine, and it does not look like what we're used to. This looks kind of something out of um, a war movie, just like a big military type. Yeah, it's like a troop transport almost. Yeah, um, but what they're fighting, they're going to need that. So yeah. it seems still, though, Freddy's still the muscle. Um, Shaggy's still the goofball because he looks like a hipster in here, and he still goofs off, but he still loves Scooby. Scooby's still the lighthearted character he is. Um, Daphne switched up a little bit. She's a little bit more of a hands-on. Instead of damsel in the stress, and um, Velma's the scientist. Okay. Uh, so and you- also, uh, one last thing, the other thing that I really liked in here, they had the character writer Scooby-Doo. Um, they were testing these... Uh, Attack dogs, and they literally, to me, pulled a scene out of um, Jurassic World. Shaggy oh, okay. is the dog tamer. So just how in the cage where it was the raptors with Chris, yeah. uh, what was his name? Chris? Chris Pratt. Pratt. Um, Shaggy goes down there, and these are, they're enhanced dogs now. They were attacking Scooby since he was the phase one, or test one of them. And he tells them to stop, and they all back off of him. And they're saying, Scooby's not no good. He's just a dumb dog that... Can't even fight for itself, but he said that's what makes Scooby so good. He's good-hearted, friendly dog, and that's mm-hmm. well, that's Scooby. Cool. And if he is genetically enhanced, I'm wondering later on in the series if they ever need him. Will he become a full-fledged like attack dog on them, or will he just stay the nice-hearted Scooby Doo that he is? I don't know. So th- it's gonna go a lot of places. I'm gonna buy try by every single issue of this. Now, as far as we know, all these Hanna Barbera titles are actually ongoing series. They're not minis, are they? No, these are full-fledged series like you would find from Rebirth of a Batman to Superman. Yeah, so these are definitely going on. We only know of four titles so far, um, and actually, we're going to get to it in the um, when we go to the comic shop later. But the next in the series, Wacky Raceland, actually comes out next week. Mm-hmm. So we'll know a little more about that here in a, um, after we get, talk about some Rebirth. But then the Flintstones, I believe, is in the first of Jan- July. No, that no, one looks interesting all- too. So. Yeah, this um, this looks probably going to be the one that's closest to, I feel, what the actual cartoon was. If that makes any sense. It's, they're not doing too much out of the Flintstones, except they need to discover that town secret, right? Yeah. Well, no, the only um, – no, the one that looks – Future Quest, I think, is going to be closest to what the original series were. Because the characters okay. were pulled straight out of the original series and just put into a True. crossover story. Because yeah, and they're reading just all mashed that, together now. That was Johnny Quest and Race and Haji. All the Johnny Quest characters did not change at all. And this is what you call diversity now for DC, and I applaud them for that. Uh, Haji used to be just their, just the what an Indian kid they found in the something old like that. Yeah, he was just Johnny's best friend or something. In. Yeah, but it just seemed like they kind of just took him in, you know. Yeah. And here, this is actually his um, adoptive brother, and I really like how he got that yeah. title now. So. But that was Hanna-Barbera Beyond. We're going to probably do reviews of at least the first four, like we did this. We did a full-on review of Future Quest. We did a full-on review of Scooby-Doo. We're going to probably next week do one on Wacky Raceland, and we'll hit Flintstones number one. After that, we'll just give you guys probably the overviews, depending on how good Mm -hmm. they actually get. So we'll find out. But the, the next big thing out of DC Comics right now is we're smack dab in the middle of Rebirth. And this week yes, we actually um, got the first four of the Rebirth number ones. But before we get into the, that, go ahead. I was going to say these books uh, definitely are putting back the old 52 feel to it. I don't feel like I'm reading a new 52 at all anymore. Oh, yeah. 
I I thoroughly enjoyed the Superman because that this was the Superman I remember. Yeah, personality was just dead on. And so, I was like, good, we needed this back for like five years now. <laughs> but um, before we get to that, um, DC Rebirth number one did so well, they actually went announced a special second printing. And the, um, that's not even out yet. But the second printing, they're actually doing it a little different. It's going to get a different cover and a different um, binding format. But um, some of the quotes they had in the article here was, um, it says that it's available June 8th, which is this week. It's a IGN from IGN. They said reading rebirth feels like coming home again. It says, um, if this is any indication as to what we can expect from the rebirth titles, it's going to be a fantastic time to read DC comics from ComicVine.com. And then also DC universe rebirth was for me, the perfect DC comic from comic spectrum. So it looks like the, the media is loving rebirth. We loved rebirth. We told you guys that last week, but, um, they said the 80 page rebirth special number one is getting a second printing. It's actually going to be, um, five ninety nine for the second printing. And it's a very limited run, but it's actually going to have a square binding. It's got a, um, which I'm not sure how that, how that works, but we'll find out this week. Um, it's got updated cover art. And yeah, it's just limited edition. So, mm-hmm. and we may have some contest type things coming up. Uh, Super friends, we'll find, we'll let you in on that here um, once we get more actual information. But um, now it says at the end of this article that this epic tale of legacy, love, life, return of a much beloved character, and the ending of that no one saw coming is the gateway for DC's line of. Lion-wide title relaunch beginning June 1st. With 17 titles shipping twice monthly and an additional 14 monthly titles, all at a new lower price of um, $2.99. So that's, what is that, 31 titles at um, $3 a piece? That's almost affordable. <laughs> Rebirth is, returned to the, is a return to the themes of optimism, hope, and incredible superhero storytelling that has made DC and its characters the favorites of fans the world over for more than 80 years. And that that statement there, the 80 years, is one of the things I'm all excited about with this um, with Rebirth. Is because, like they said, they tried to bring the legacy back to DC Comics. But the second printing has not even released for Rebirth, and they've already announced a third printing. But the yeah. third printing is also another change. Um, they had Gary Frank do a new cover for DC Rebirth number one's third printing, and they revealed that it's actually um, Wally West reaching out of the um, Speed Force. Have you seen the picture for this? For the cover for yes. it? It's amazing. It's also five ninety nine, like the swe- like the second printing, and it's going to have the square bound for the square binding, just like the second one, as the ad keeps popping up. Um. <laughs> It says the third printing will have a new cover from Gary Frank, although it's unclear if it will be different from the second printing's cover, which showed more of the reaching hand from the original printing. So, yeah, remember the original printing had all the heroes reaching to someone in the blue. He said just a hand. Well, this shows Ah. the other side of that. This is Wally West reaching out at them. Okay. Because from so, the end of that whole book, I figured it was some somebody else's hand, but that would actually make more sense. Okay. Yeah. And this one, the third printing is scheduled to be released on July 6th. 
Um, it says in addition to this, in addition to this reprinting, the first wave of Rebirth title one shots, Batman Rebirth number one, Lanterns Rebirth number one, Superman Rebirth number one, and Green Arrow, also sold out at the distributor level and are being reprinted by DC. So they're also getting second prints, and they'll actually have a recolored Rebirth banner to differentiate them from the original run. So the actual Rebirth banner that's on them will have a different color on it. Um, lastly, it says two of the final New 52 era books, which helped segue into Rebirth, uh, Justice League number 50 and Batman number 52, will receive new printings with recolored covers. So it's like everything that's having to do with Rebirth is selling out of the shelves as fast as they can get them out there. And then it says the second printings of Justice League 50 and um, Superman 52 are scheduled for release on June 29th. So it's like, I think in general, the fans are enjo- are liking Rebirth. Now you went up to, like we were saying across, some things about Crosstown. What was the impression you got when you went up to um, north of Akron, Ohio, to JC's Comics? And what was the what were they talking about at yours? What was everybody's reaction to Rebirth so far? Um, they didn't expect for it to sell out as much as it did. Um they they expected to do well, but they thought they at least have some books in the back, you know, for somebody to buy. But they've been selling out so fast; it's ridiculous. Okay, so you can't keep you can't keep them. <laughs> so you'd say everybody's so, pretty excited about it there. Yeah, so far with the sales and the numbers he's getting, yeah, people like it. Okay, see, mine, um, Kemore Comics on the other side of town. He said John was saying that it seems like everybody was reading the the people he had talked to that actually have read Rebirth and stuff said it. To them, it felt more like just the status quo for DC. They weren't super excited. I mean, they were buying it, but they weren't like overly excited about it or anything. Hmm. It's amazing the difference just the other side of town. Yeah, and then like I was saying with the whole Hanna-Barbera stuff, um, they were up at JC Comics, but it didn't seem like to be a Kenmore Comics. Yeah, so yeah. it's cool being able to um, that we actually have three comic shops in town and get, being able to just gauge the difference between just a couple miles. Miles, mm-hmm. So... But, like I said, we had the four Rebirth titles that came out this week. Uh, you want to just give, um, uh, let's go through, just starting with Superman, just a general overview of what you thought of Superman. Um, we started with Superman old... Rebirth number one was this week. Yeah, this was the old Superman that we needed back. Not the new 52, but the pre-52 Superman that we all love. The one that fought Doomsday. And in the comic book, it goes through his narration of what was going on through that. Which, um, to me, just seeing him fight Doomsday and have him narrate that for fans that say didn't read the pre-52, just did read the new 52, that's Superman. Everything mm-hmm. he was fighting for was Superman. When he said he hit him with that last punch and he thought about everybody in Smallville, that was, that's our Superman, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's our Clark Kent, that's our Carlisle. Well, the nice thing is, this is the Superman that, if anybody's been reading the um, Superman, Lois, Lois and Clark... And Clark. That um, issue eight came out a couple weeks ago. I believe that's going to be the last issue for Superman, Lois and Clark. This is the same Clark from there. And reading those is like I've been getting my fix of the original su- of the real Superman. Well, in my opinion, he's the real Superman because he's the same one we've had for over seventy five years. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, this is him actually finally stepping into the this um, world since su- the Superman of this world has died, and um, he actually meets Lana Lang of this world. And finds out, learns that she's a different Lana Lang a little bit. Yeah, she is. But um, I, I still liked how our Superman was with her the whole way. Although yeah. she forced herself on him by saying, "We're partners now." <laughs> <laughs> 
but they were able to do a little, short little adventure together, and he actually was able to go to um, the New 52 Superman's fortress, which wasn't a whole lot different than his fortress, really. I mean, it had some no, differences, but not a lot. That, that's why certain things he was commanding, and he, he just already knew, not just because they are both Superman, but the setup was still the same. Exactly. Um, the, one of the major differences, though, is a lot of people in the fortress, something that st- stood the test of time in the fortress for a long time was Jarell and Lara holding up the globe of Krypton, the giant statues at the fortress. You remember those? Mm-hmm. Well, this one had that has that statue, but it also but... had a second one of John and Martha Kent holding up the Earth. Because in this one, his both of his parents had died at some point. Mm, so okay, what? that's why I, I didn't read any of the new Fifty Two books. Well, that's, so I was just wondering about that. Yeah, I, well, Superman I, books. I picked it up from that and from something else that was. I think it was something that was in the um, either Superman Fifty Two or it was in um, the Superman Lois and Clark. So, or actually, it could be. No, that's what it is. It was in. Um, I'm reading through right now Superman Volume One. From the new fifty two, I got the trade for on Hoopla, so I'm reading through the trade, and actually he goes and visits Martha Kent's grave, and everybody knows that Jonathan Kent always dies in the story. Mm-hmm. So and he goes and visits Martha Kent's grave, so that the so they're both dead at some point. I don't know what happened, but so that's why the statue of them is both there. So that's um, most of what happened on um, Superman Rebirth. Um, do you, which one you want to go to next? Um, you want to leave Lanterns you know, for say- last? I'll say let's go to Batman next. Yeah, go ahead with Batman. You like Batman better than I did. Yeah, because now from the Rebirth stories from we got from um, issue one of Rebirth, uh, it had nothing to do with that story at all. But by itself, it was a good Batman story. And the reason why I liked it so much, because while the other stories were focusing on Rebirth and everything that had to do with there, that's the thing that always made Batman different. While everybody else is focusing on this one thing, he's going to focus on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know where he was going in this issue. He gets uh, Duke from We Are Robin, if you guys have been reading those. Um, he was the leader of We Are Robins. So when he bring, so Batman brings him into his uh, Batcave, and he's talking to him uh, about sound like mentoring him. And he says, so what, you want me to be the new Robin? And he says, no, something else. And we see this yellow bat sh- Batman suit without the cape. I don't know what's going to go on with that. They didn't say what his n- new name would be or if that's just going to be a suit he was wearing for that one issue. But he's training him. He's having him hit the tree. If you guys ever read uh, Batman Year One, Batman did the same thing when he came home. Um, he were, he was chopping down uh, center blocks, I think, and he kicked the tree down with his just his bare feet. Um, so he was teaching uh, Duke that. Okay. Uh, he also, at the very beginning of it, he was trying to take down Calendar Man. Um, yeah, like I said, this book didn't have anything to do with Rebirth, but it was all just Batman-focused story. I was a little disappointed, though. Because I thought I would at least hear some type of new word from uh, about the three Jokers. Okay. We didn't hear none of that. Well, but, um, in this, Calendar Man is not a character I'm as much... I think I've heard of him, but he's mm-hmm. not. I'm not as familiar with him. Now, the whole thing here, they said that as the stories go... Or as the seasons go by, Calendar Man actually ages through his entire life in one year. And then um, he, like, molts his skin off and restarts at the beginning of the, se- beginning of the year. Now, now, is see, that, that something really that's been there. in there think, before? Hmm? Is that something that's been in there before, or is that no, something no, new for just, Calendar Man? No, he's just been that guy that would kill people on, uh, say, his Halloween, and maybe he'll put a jack-o'-lantern on you and replace your head or something. You know, oh, okay. anything that was celebrating the holiday, he would do. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I was here, a little confused when I saw that at the end. I 
for a second I thought that is this Clayface, and then when he, I I literally have no idea what they're doing. They might be giving him a power now. Of that might be his thing, which to me they don't need it, but. Well, yeah, because they were saying I, that whenever uh, he molts and becomes a new guy, he actually get, has a new DNA pattern too. Mm-hmm. So Julian Day, yeah, which, like I said, is I I, said, I don't know what they were doing with that, but they gave Calendar Man, I guess, some powers. <laughs> so that's that was the Batman story. Um, let's go through the Lan- the Arrow story now. Arrow, one of the things that Green Arrow has not had two things major that in the new Fifty Two Green Arrow has not had, I guess, that people complain the most about. One, same thing is, that they complain about on the show, by the way, guys. Yeah. The lack of a relationship with Dinah Lance. Now, anybody who knew before the new before the fifty two, Arrow and Canary were inseparable. Mm-hmm. They were um, lovers and married for they years, married. weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they were, were married. They were husband, married they were for years, and, and um, you couldn't you couldn't separate them. I mean, they, they were they were um, like Joker and Harley, but Joker and Harley uh, or um, Clark and Lois, or yeah, or any of the other ones, um, Barry and Iris, Wally and. Um, Oh, uh, wow. Linda. Blank. Linda. Yeah. Well, there are some couples that don't get broke up. Um, yeah. Also another good one that were both two superheroes, uh, in the eighties for the teen Titans did Grayson and Starfire. Oh yeah. So this was, um, that's who these two were, but in the new 52, they didn't know each other. They barely knew each other at all. This was actually the second time they met in the, re- this rebirth issue was the second time they met out of the whole new 52. Well, they which used, I thought, go ahead. Which I thought was just uh, a little silly because it's like after having a whole a long relationship like that prior to New Fifty Two for them to only meet one time, it was like man, I didn't know it because I didn't read a lot of the New Fifty Two comic books, but I was I was surprised that they met each other that little. Yeah, well, this was another one that didn't really have anything to do with the um, Rebirth storyline. No, it was a the Rebirth only the characters. That, yeah, I'll say it did come closer than Batman just because when we did see them in uh, the Rebirth. While he was talking about how they should be together, yeah. Uh, well, so that's, with you this said, issue, I think. Go ahead. He's saying how relationships were broken and how um, the fact that they don't even know each other is just baffling. It's mm-hmm. uh, shocking. So well, this they goes, did get that right. This goes back to what you're saying with Batman. How Batman really didn't tie into Rebirth much, but it may be a birth for a new character. Um, Superman really the Superman um, Rebirth special there didn't really have anything to do with Rebirth either, other than it's the birth of the original Superman into the DC universe, in the new DC yeah. universe. So it's none of these really have advanced the story of Rebirth yet, but that's coming up. The other one that came out was actually um, my pick for the best one of the week. Um, Super Friends, as these come out each week, like next week there's three Rebirth titles coming out. Um, we're going to rate what we thought for the week, what we thought was the best to worst in, um, on, for this week. And as as of how it fits into Rebirth, and my fa- my favorite, and I believe it was yours for this week, our pick for the number one Rebirth title that came out was Green Lantern's Rebirth number one. Yeah, and this was yeah. actually an origin story for the two Green Lanterns of Earth, which are two totally <laughs> different characters. You start off which, with uh, you actually have it open in front of you, don't you? I uh, know I do not. Ah, okay. But um, so you can start it's off what we'll Simon Baz is the um one of the Green Lanterns from Earth, isn't that his mm-hmm. name? Yeah. And then um Jessica Cruz, I believe, is the other one. Exactly. And Jessica Cruz just got her ring at the end of um Justice League number fifty two. Yeah, she's a rookie. Exactly, and you find out she's actually an extreme introvert. 
Like she wouldn't before all the events of the Dark Side War happened, she hadn't she left her, her apartment, apartment for like two years. Yeah. Her sister was trying to do everything she could to get her out of her apartment. So now she's a Green Lantern and she kind of has to leave her apartment to do her job. So, um, but something happens and the lanterns are, um, the rings tell them there's a, what was it? A spaceship crash lands on Earth. Mm-hmm. And being galactic police, they have to figure out what's going on. So both of their rings tell them that this has happened and they need to go. Neither one know there's another lantern on Earth. Now, Simon Baz, in this one, obviously has been a lantern for a little while. He's had training because he knows about the other Earth lanterns and uh, things like that, but he knows he's the only one on planet. Which so, is funny because um, he's only, what did uh, Hal tell him? He was only like a couple weeks. Uh, yeah, only, had his ring a couple, or a couple of months than, uh, or something. Just like that, yeah. Months? Okay. It was something like that. You have my copy there, so I don't, I don't remember exactly yeah, what Yeah, I would said. have to run upstairs and grab it, <laughs> so I'm just but, trying to go by memory right now. But they find out, they get to this crash landing, and he's wondering, who are you? She's wondering who he is, and back and forth, and they argue a little bit because their uh, personalities clash, which is the, yeah. just the way it's set up on this. And what so, I think really uh, bothered one another was they're both the Green Lanterns of this Earth. Exactly. Like I, I thought I was a Green Lantern. I, I'm a Green Lantern. Why are you here? <laughs> well, they find out the crash landing is actually one of the Manhunters. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Simon d- dives right into the battle to, and gets taken down right away. And I like how he did say, hey, back off, rookie. You're new to this. I got this. It'll mm-hmm. be over before you know it. Then he gets messed up, and then she tries, and it doesn't work for her. And then all of a sudden, if I remember right, the Manhunter explodes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, here comes Hal Jordan. Yep. And you find out it was all a test, a training exercise for the two of them. Hal and Jordan knew that they were both on Earth, and they both failed. Yep. <laughs> then he, and um, I, like, I like how Simon's trying to bang on Jessica, saying, well, she was the rookie here. She didn't know this. And then she's like, but weren't you the one to say this will take less than a minute or whatever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he sees them arguing and bickering back and forth. He tells them, get out your lanterns takes their lanterns and fuses them together and says, if you two want to, uh, want to be the lanterns of, uh, was this two, I forget two, the eight, numbers one, right now. Space Thank sector you. two, eight, one, four. Then you're going to have to be partners. Now he's telling them, this is not punishment. That I'm making you guys work together. This is training. You guys need to learn how to work with one another to be a real green lantern. Mm-hmm. Well, the nice thing is also, he says, um, they set up for the, how Jordan and the green lantern cores comic. Because he tells them straight up that he, at this point, he cannot stay on Earth and help them and train them like they need to be. And none of the other Lanterns from Earth can because they're all in the middle of some other battle on the other side of the galaxy. But I, I he does this, show them. I thought this, it was funny that Simon uh, said, well, there's five Lanterns here. And she's like, six. And then I thought, man, there is six Lanterns for Earth? Yeah. That that doesn't look good. <laughs> I thought, like, <laughs> there's only supposed to be one? Oh, and then... um. Also, uh, Simon asked uh, Jessica, whose ring did you get? Someone die? She's like, what? He's like, I hope it was Guy Gardner. Who? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes Guy Gardner. No one, since the 80s, no one's liked Guy Gardner. He's not a likable <laughs> character, but that's the way it's supposed to be. Is he dead? Who? <laughs> Never mind. It's like, oh, God. You just was deaf upon that character. Yeah. Well, you find out that none of the Lanterns can actually train these two, but... Hal does know some some people who can train who can help them with the training, and he drops them off at the Justice League Watchtower. 
So he takes them to the ju- to the Justice League Watchtower orbiting the moon so that they can start working with the Justice League and tells the asks the Justice League to help them figure this out. So and that basically is the end of that comic, but it looks like it's going to be an interesting story not, seeing them play the off each other. There were, there was some dialogue uh, from uh, some character we didn't even see their face or anything. Oh, but yeah. by the end of it, we see the person that the characters that were talking at the very beginning were actually um, a, is it a I, I can't get his name Atrocitus um the leader of the Red Lantern Corps. Yeah, and it was the the Red Lantern cat, and her. then I want to say the Red Lantern uh, vampire chick. I don't know their names. Yeah, but you find but out that that's going to be end. the that's going to be the thing that or the villains at the beginning of this first story arc. Mm-hmm. They plan on doing something with the Earth. We have no idea what their intentions are, but it can't be anything good. Exactly. Well, also you see and, at the very beginning of the comic, you get to see uh, um, one of the Lost Guardians almost, or something like that, mm-hmm. who has. Something in a box that he's trying to get out of. What planet was that? Um, that wasn't the Manhunter planet. It was some realm that of people that all wanted to kill anybody who was not from there. So as he's getting away, he gets killed, doesn't he? Yeah. And whatever it was that was in his box um, ends up escaping, and it's almost like a rainbow-colored ring or something. Is yeah, that what so it I like wish I should have grabbed that, but um. I don't know what this is going to turn into. I have yeah. no idea. We'll figure that out as the series goes by. Um, so. Don't want to touch on this for too long. We need to move on. But yeah. with the Red Lanterns, this is me personally. I Since I do like the Green Lanterns, um, I know the other Lanterns' backstory. Do you feel as any of them are actually bad guys? I don't what, see none of them. Not even the Sinestro Crops. I don't see them as bad guys because each Lantern has their own look on how they're going to save the universe, but they're yeah. doing it in their way. So I feel like with the Red Lanterns, they have a plan for Earth. But to me, in their head, they're thinking this is perfectly fine. This is an evil. Yeah. This is good. Well, that's in general. A really good villain doesn't think mm-hmm. they're a villain. No. Well, I Lex guess Luthor. the Joker. Well, Lex Luthor has never seen himself as a villain. Except in the movies, but that doesn't count for this. In the comic yeah. books, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor has never been the villain. No, he's just doing his own deed. Exactly. The Joker doesn't see himself as a villain. He's just crazy. No, I guess why... I guess what I'm saying is even like Lex Luthor and Joker, to me, they are still villains. Yeah. But if you ever get into like a Lantern comic, after a while, you start seeing them just as, I guess, the main protagonist. Mm-hmm. But their deeds are a little bad, but they're still having a good mindset of this is what I'm doing. Like Sinestro, for example. Yeah. His, he's using fear to rule the world, but he's not doing that because he's trying to be evil. He's doing that just because that's how he thinks the world or the universe should be ruled. Exactly. Same as, uh, the red lanterns anger is their power. So mm-hmm. I feel like when they do come to earth every, sorry, like I said, I don't want to get too deep. The no, whole fine. black lantern storyline started because the green lantern stopped the red lantern, atrocious from, um, killing the black lantern. Yeah. He was trying to kill the black lantern because he knew how bad he was. So like I said, None of the Lanterns are actually evil. Even the only one that was uh, very evil to me was the um, Black Lantern because he was trying to kill people because that was his Well, yeah, uh, power. he's the Lantern of Death. <laughs> right, and that's why, like I said, the Red Lantern, he was like, yeah, he's too going too far. I need to stop him. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, so I, the re- this next Lantern issue is going to be good because I want to see maybe they can get some of that character feel back in here of, oh, they're not bad guys. They're just Lanterns. Yeah. Well, we'll see what as this comes because I think there's three different lantern titles every year, every month now. Um, okay, I know it's the 
Green Lantern. You um, have Green Lanterns with an S. Lantern crops. You have um, Hal Jordan and the oh, Green yeah, Lantern Corps. Oh, yeah, the Green Lanterns. That's right. And then there's one other one. I forget what it is, but we'll find I out can't. soon. Yeah, that's the thing I can't uh, remember either. But um, since we are on comic books and we went over the uh, reviews of what we bought this week, do you want to go where we want to go? <laughs> uh, not quite yet. Not quite yet. Okay. I want to. We need to. Um. Well, one, we need to rank the um titles for this week. Okay. What was your ranking for the four titles that came out this week? Um, Batman would be placed at number four. Yeah, that's uh, where it was for mine. Story. Because, like you said, it was a good, good Batman story, but it could have been but in any part nothing. of the Batman storyline. It didn't have to have any. It didn't have anything to do with Rebirth at all. Yeah, at all. Like I said, it didn't reveal Joker to me. Mm-hmm. There was no more of the Watchmen reveal. Nothing. And after talking um, to you about um, Arrow, I think I'm more the same place you are on it. On the list. Yeah, like, what would you put on number three? Number three for me. Oh, Arrow's number three for you now? Yeah. Um, See, I was going to flip-flop that back around again. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking about the Superman. I was going to make Superman number three, but from what, I guess, what fans have been wanting so much and what is important to the universe, because fans of the Green Arrow wanted that back, and we yeah. did. But it wasn't that really important to the universe. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Superman the, coming back. The return of this Superman is the one of the most important things that happened this week, I think, because yeah. this Superman is actually the guy who is the leader of the Justice League, the number one hero on Earth, and mm-hmm. all of these things. Whereas the New Fifty Two Superman, everything I read, I've read on him so far, he's not the same leader, and he's not able to instill the same type of hope that the original Superman did. The best way I can put that, we had a selfless superman before new 52 mm-hmm. with the new 52 superman he was a selfish hero yeah it was almost like he was raised by a different set of kents or something the best way i've seen him um if you guys have ever seen justice league gods and monsters he wasn't exactly like that superman but he was close to it mm-hmm. he would and that superman was a he was zod and um oh man what was superman's birth mother's name i can't think of her. lara yeah, there was Zod and her baby. Okay. So he was still good, but certain things he would do, it's like, that's not what Superman do. Superman wouldn't kill somebody like that. Yeah. So. Okay, so that, um, you had oh, and Arrow at number and number one, three. of course, is Green Lantern. Yeah, well, Green Lantern is, um, was an actual origin story for the New Lanterns. So, mm-hmm. but and really. plus me being biased, I'm a, I'm a big, bigger Green Lantern fan than I am a Superman fan, too. So that's why yeah. Superman got bumped out number two. Well, the. Superman, Arrow, and um, Green Lantern were actual a rebirth for that character. Yeah. Even though they had nothing to do with the actual overall rebirth story. Right. And I think that's so. what the rebirth actually was supposed to do. I think when we get the whole rebirth storyline to come more into the open, we'll be in the Flash rebirth. Yeah. Well, that's coming up in our pull list here in a couple minutes. But um, next week, we actually have three more rebirth titles coming. I'm opening them up right now so I can read the description for you. Um. But Super Friends, this is we're gonna change up the way we do our poll list. Usually, we're actually gonna take the Rebirth number ones out of our choices for poll list because we're gonna need to actually talk a little bit about each of these as they come out. So the um, we're gonna go through the pull list for of what the Rebirth titles are now. Then we'll do our regular pull list for the month for the week. So the first one for next week is Aquaman Rebirth number one. Now, this is $2.99, just like all the other ones. It comes out on sale on June 8th. It's born to both the surface and the sea. Arthur Curry walks in two worlds, but can find a home in neither. 
The king of Atlantis looks to reconcile his split heritage as he embarks on a new mission that may finally make him choose between his two paths. Then it says political pa- political player, quote, as the leader of the of a world power, writer Dan Abnett says, Arthur believes it's time Atlantis became part of the global community. Atlantis has been on the outside for too long, feared, mysterious, and misunderstood. But that means getting into the world, getting the world used to Atlantis, and vice versa. So in this one, he wants Atlantis to actually be part of the larger world. Now the cover is done by Bradley Walker and Andrew Hennessy. It doesn't say who does the art, but writer was Dan Abnett on this one. So that's this is a little bit different take because usually doesn't Atlantis want to stay away and. Traditionally in the comics, Atlantis doesn't really want to be part of the global community. No, they don't. They want to let all the Earth dwellers up there deal with what they deal with. Don't don't corrupt us. Okay. Well, the next one that's coming out is Wonder Woman Rebirth number one. Definitely need to pick that one up. <laughs> this one says this one's a little shorter title. It's or description. It says after suffering an, unima- an unimaginable loss, Wonder Woman must rebuild her mission as Earth's ultimate protector and champion. So, it says, don't miss, New York Times bestselling writer Greg Rucka returns to Wonder Woman with a tale that will forever alter the DC icon. So, maybe this is going to bring her back to where, the closer to what the traditional Wonder Woman was? Hopefully. Because um, once you get done with uh, saying all that, I have something to say with all three of these titles okay. that I feel like may hurt one character. Well, we'll find out here in a minute. we got one more after this, but the art on this one is done by Liam Sharp and Paolo Sequeria. And then it's written, of course, by Greg Rucka. Then the the last one for next week is actually the one I'm looking forward to the most. It's actually Flash Rebirth number one. And this one, it says right in the the description um, that this one has to do with the storyline of Rebirth. It says, spinning directly out of the events of DC Universe Rebirth number one, the fastest man alive finds himself at the center of a DC Universe at a crossroads. And now it says, warning. Do not read this issue until after you have read DC Universe Rebirth number one. So this one's going to tie directly into um, the Rebirth main storyline. This one, the art is done by Carmine Di Giandominico, and the, it was written by Joshua Williamson. So this one's the one that we're waiting on that I wish we would have had this week that could have continued the story. Yeah, they're but, trying to, you know, have us uh, keep our mouths watering, waiting uh-huh. for it. Um, but what I was going to say is I feel like all the, all those three titles, I noticed something I'm least excited for the Aquaman book. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is when a new 52 came out, that was the one title most people love more than any other. Cause it made Aquaman better. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing to me wrong with the new 52 Aquaman. He was perfect. Like I said, he was better than he was in pre 52. And if he's staying the same, I feel like he might get overlooked because we're having all the other characters come back and nostalgia with that. Mm-hmm. I don't want Aquaman going back to what he was before. So <laughs> I, we don't know. We'll see they were how on the right track. With, yeah. Uh, we'll see how her. it goes. So, uh, you this know, this doesn't sound I'm, like the way that it talks there. It doesn't sound like they're really changing Aquaman. It no. may just be a political change in him. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, yeah, that it's not to me, not that big of a deal if he wants to, uh, get more in touch with the earth dwellers. I mean, when she joined the justice league, in my opinion, that was him giving them an open door to say, Hey, I'm open to have you guys. Maybe we can be peaceful again. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, Aquaman, I I'm less excited for, but 
I still do like him as a character. With all this rebirth stuff going on, there's so much nostalgia. I'm going to have to get back in the loop of reading everybody again. Okay. Um, but I believe that's most of what's going on with Rebirth right now. Mm-hmm. So I believe we've only got one spot, one place to go. Only one. Come on. Okay, so Super Friends, we did our um, mini pull list for the Rebirth titles, but now we still have to go to the comic shop every week. So this week at the comic shop, we actually still picked three comics each that were not actual Rebirth titles. Now, a couple of them were actually reborn because of Rebirth, and we'll get to Mm -hmm. that in a minute. But what's your number three? My number three is um, Red Hood and Arsenal number 13. Okay. Um, the Joker's daughter's master plan is revealed. Are Jason and Roy strong enough to take down both Dalla and Iron Rule? And what will it cost them? Find out in the shock conclusion of Red Hood and Arsenal. Um, the art on here is done by Joe Bennett, uh, cover art by Don Robinson Roca, and written by Scott uh, Landell. Okay. So, um, like I said from last time, Dalla Dent was a titan, um... I do not know who Iron, what they say his name was. Iron Rule might be a female, too. I have no idea. I'll find out. Okay. Well, my number three is actually a number four. It's Legends of Tomorrow number four. Now, (laughs) I've been enjoying Legends of Tomorrow. It costs a little more, but you're getting four titles with it. Because it's an $8 comic, but you're getting four different comics each time. You're getting full stories from each one. They're not like short stories. Now, the first one is you get Firestorm, written by Jerry Conway and... Art is done by Eduardo Pansica and Rob Hunter. With Firestorm held captive by General Eiling and tortured to the brink of an unstable nuclear reaction, it's up to Jason Rausch and Tanya Liu to sneak into Nazca base and save Ronnie and Professor Stein before they explode. Then you get Metamorpho, written by Aaron Lepresti, and art is by Aaron Lepresti and Jonathan Glapino. Uh, Glapion. Now, Metamorpho and Sapphire have forged an alliance with the people of Dagon Ra to find the orb. But will they be able to fend off Kanjar Ro and his space pirates? That's an interesting Kanjar. one because they're actually on a different world. It, this That one right now is reminding me of um, a little bit of like Stargate. Oh, okay. It's almost like a DC why. Comics version of Stargate. It's interesting. Next up, we got Sugar and Spike, written by Keith Giffen and art by... Bilquis Evely. When Green Lantern's friend Itty, the extraterrestrial, is kidnapped, only Sugar and Spike can save the day. But who would kidnap a poor, defenseless outer space worm? This one's been kind of fun and interesting, the Sugar and Spike comic. And then, last but not least, you have The Metal Men by Len Wein, art by Ildiri, Cinder, and Trevor Scott. With their backs against the wall, the and the military breathing down their necks, the metal men turn to one of their to their one friend who might be able to help them track down the nemesis, Cyborg. So not only do you have the metal men in this, they've added what was his name? Robot Man was the one they added yes. to it. And now they're adding Cyborg. It looks like they're taking any kind of cybernetic or robotic um character in the DC universe and slowly adding them into this story. So 
So it's going to be quite interesting. So what was your number two? Number two is Detective Comics um, 934. <laughs> this one, um, that is fantastic. That's one of my favorite things about Rebirth is the fact that action and detective are going back to the original numbers, back. and we're going to get mm-hmm. number 100 or 1,000 from each of them, an actual true 1,000 comic. That Are they going to put the K on there? Like, how are they going to do I that? don't know. It's going to be uh, fantastic, whatever they do. Well, uh, in description for um, the for uh, the Detective Comics, Rise of Batman, Chapter One: An unknown predator begins ongoing bat um, outdoing Batman, taking down dangerous threats with military precision. It's up to Dark Knight and a series of co-star Batwoman to rally the trained young heroes of Gotham City to end this mysterious threat. What now? Batman and Batwoman begin training. Spoiler: Red Robin and Cassandra Cain, but is the villainous Clayface ready for redemption? That's cool to see um, that um, Spoiler's back as Spoiler. I think the fact that Spoiler and Red Robin are back on the same team, thats you can't get any better than that. Now, um, for a while, when they, were, um, when they were a lot younger, back in the 90s, the two of them were actually a couple, weren't they? Yeah, that's why I said that. Mm-hmm. Tim Drake and, um, uh, man, what was her name? I can't think of her name. But, yeah, I'm uh, drawing a blank, too. And I actually, yeah. I actually was reading Robin back then. Yeah, and I was saying that also because the whole Robins, I should know her name. But um, anyways, the one thing that really gets me out of here is Clayface. I still don't trust this guy. Oh, he's you never a Batman do. villain. The fact that he's been helping him for the past couple issues, there's got to be some type of motive there. Yeah. Well, my number two is actually the other side of that. It's Action Comics 957. Nice. So it's the Path of Doom Chapter 1. Superman returns to Metropolis just in time to meet the City of Tomorrow's newest protector, Lex Luthor. But it's not long before these dueling titans meet someone unexpected, the new Clark Kent. Don't miss Action Comics re- returns to or don't miss Action Comics returns to its original t- numbering with this issue. Now it's coming twice monthly. So um but it's interesting that cuz reading through um Bat- Superman Lois and Clark you find out that um Superman has been watching from the shadows everything that's happening on this earth and he's even though Lex Luthor looks like a friend to everybody on this, he still doesn't trust him because he knows Lex Luthor from his timeline and he knows who Lex Luthor is in ge- in his heart of hearts, you know, in mm-hmm. his black heart. He knows Lex Luthor, so he will. I don't think he will ever trust him. But it's interesting who is this new Clark Kent? So because mm. we just saw Superman die, and everybody knows that, or this world knows that that Superman was Clark Kent because um, what was it about a year ago or so? Um, Lois Lane from the New 52 actually outed him as Superman and Clark Kent, the same person. So it's going to be interesting where it goes. On this one, art is done by Patrick Zercher and is written by Dan Juergens, which, in my opinion, is the the perfect guy to take Superman into the future. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're down to our number ones. What was your number one? My number one is Constantine the Hellblazer, number 13. Hellblazer, number 13. Hmm. Issue better be good. <laughs> uh, John Constantine has been to hell so many times, it feels like his, his, it's his home. And he knows that it's no place to leave two little scared girls. Um, he's got one shot to save Oliver's kids, but we'll have to find out. Um, he has to fight Fairy, Blaith, and Papa Midnight, and a host of worse things while the threats fix themselves in the latest mistake. So this kind of me sounds like what was going on in the TV series about him saving the girl from hell, but this time it's two little girls. And, and when he said Oliver's Oliver. kids, 
Yeah, I was thinking. I first thought of Oliver Queen, but I said that can't be right. Um, you never know. I didn't read the I didn't read the last issue, so I don't know really what's going on here. If that was somehow Oliver's kids, like the one we know, that would be pretty interesting. Plus, they say he's been to hell so many times now. That made me think of the uh, the TV series. Remember last time we heard of Constantine, he was in hell. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, yeah, that's my number one pick. Art by Eric uh, Devon, um, covered by Riley uh, R- Rosmo, and written by James T. Tavion the Fourth and Ming Doyle. Cool. Well, my number one is actually Wacky Raceland number one, and this one uh-huh. we've been looking at the artwork for months, Super Friends, and this is looking amazing. It is straight up, and they had the guy who did the concept work for Mad Max Fury Road designed the vehicles for this comic. Now, it says, The world has ended, but the race has just begun. Penelope Pitstop, Peter Perfect, and the rest of the wacky racers vie for the finish line in a contest where the winner takes all and the second place is death. Today's trial, the shattered maze of freeways known as the Uber Pass, where they're beset by giant sand beasts, Mutated insects, and worst of all, Dick Dastardly's murderous poor sportsmanship. The last thing they need after surviving the race is a brutal bar fight at a local dive, but that's just what they get. This one sounds amazing. Hopefully it um, lives up to um, what the other two Hanna-Barbera Beyond titles have um, given us. Now, the art is done by Leonardo Manco, and it's written by Ken uh, Pontic. So this one, like I said, this one is actually the um, another one that I'm looking highly looking forward to for next week. So that actually finishes up our pull list for the week. And I was also going to say uh, the comic books. You're right; they are just a two nine nine, even the ones that were ongoing. Yeah. Before. Now the Wacky Raceland are three ninety nine, but yeah, the, the Enneagram Barbera will be the three ninety nine. Yeah. So all of the actual main universe DC comics are two ninety nine. So. That makes it easier to be able to buy the other ones. So, um, Super Friends, that brings us to the close of the show today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vernon, um, this has been actually... Rebirth, is to me, is actually seems like it's getting better. What do you think? It's, um, Rebirth, from the first issue, I knew it was going to be good, and it is it's getting better. Um, like... The thing that really gets me is to bring back the old personalities to the uh, comics. And that's all that we are reacting with, just the personalities. Once exactly. they take the personalities away, a lot of fans uh, lost touch of those comics. So, um, yeah, it's getting better. And they just keep continuing this. They'll definitely get my money. <laughs> exactly. Um, I know I'm looking forward to Rebirth as it comes out. I'm looking forward to Hanna-Barbera Beyond. DC at the moment seems like it's hitting on all cylinders. Now hopefully yeah. they can start getting their cinematic side together and we can actually have... a strong DC comics the way it should be. And it seems like they're going uh, good with their uh, movies too. They're changing up some directors and changing up some writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm on track with them even there. Well, we'll see what happens. Suicide Squad, I think, will really let us know where they're at. And exactly. if the fans should be still be behind this. Heck, if the studio should just take a break. The studio wanted to stop everything and just rethink everything, I'd be okay with that. Okay. But uh, I, I, I think Suicide Squad will be good. Awesome. So that's coming up actually in August. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, the DC television universe is exploding. We have four, five main universe DC comic shows all for next season. 
Because in August we have Vixen coming back for another series of shorts That's on right. the CWC. Then we got the four shows on the main um, on the Networks. main network of CW. Uh, Gotham. Um, Wait, all on CW? Yeah, yeah. Legends. Everything uh, but Gotham Super is on World. CW. Then we got yep, the four but- main ones on CW. The Gotham's on CBS coming up. It's just the future looks bright for DC Comics, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yep. So why don't you let everybody know where they can find us on social media, Vernon? Um, you can find us on DC Superpowers Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, DC Superpowers Podcast, and on Twitter, Superpowers DC. Um, you can also find me on my personal uh, Instagram, Wolf, Facebook, Vernon McWayne Moore, and Twitter is Yellow. Awesome. And you can find me on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All is, um, or no, it's Instagram and Twitter is GW1Ken. On Facebook, it's Ken Rose. You can also find um, me on GeekWatch One Weekly, uh, GeekWatchOne.com. You can find if you if you agree with us, let us know what you think, um, Super Friends. Um, easiest way to get in touch with us to let us know what you think. What do you think about Rebirth? How do you like Hanna Barbera Beyond? We'd like to get a poll of some of the listeners out there and what they're thinking. Go to DC Superpowers at gmail.com drop us a line let us know what you think of these um, issues that are coming out what hand, how DC is handling some of this also head on over to iTunes and leave us a um, rating and or a review let us know Let that way you can let everybody else know what you think of our show now as always you can find us on iTunes Stitcher the Satchel Player the Google Play Store and TuneIn Radio all at DC Superpowers Podcast you can also um, find us at tangentboundnetwork.com and the weebygeekspc.com. So, I have to go back to sweeping the floors. If I don't um, get him swept, I'm going to have to deal with Superman. See, I, now here's the thing that they really got me on, and I'm very scared. I'm going to have to ask Santana about this. I finished the bathrooms, but they saved the best for last. I got to clean up Etrigan's room. Oh, yeah, I can just imagine what's a, what a demon has in his room. I don't want to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Super Friends, we'll see you next week. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. <laughs> <laughs>